Blog Talk Radio.
on the move on December the 4th, 2022, on Thursday night at 5-3. News, making news, and more. Let's join us with our favorite panelists and analysts today as we discuss critical issues that are affecting our community and the world. We're going to do at this point in time, like always, and how we started with our party. We have political panelists and this who can stand in the seat, and they're going to take the seat. Because as they define it, they will stand behind it. We may not give you what you want, but we definitely will give you what you need. So what we're going to do right now is continue to travel down the road of liberation, and we're going to speak to the powerless and the powerful. At this point in time, we're going to bring in our first political panelist and to introduce to the listening world, Brother Haki from the African World Association. We'd like to welcome him to Africa on the move. Welcome, Brother Haki. Um, Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamathi Mishoki. Carrying on with African awareness, and of course, Brother Africa, you know, my thing is all about institution building. But I think it's certainly, I think one thing that's important that we acknowledge that we have to talk a little bit about the strategic significance in terms of, you know, uh, governments employing ruthlessness. And the reason why governments employ ruthlessness is because it works. Uh, but more importantly, implicit in ruthlessness is a certain amount of destruction that has to take place. And imposing that destruction on the population, it keeps people on the defensive. So in other words, the ability to achieve the objectives become that much more uh, certain. Uh, so we have to understand when we look at U.S. Uh, policy, whether we talk about national policy or foreign policy, the use of ruthlessness and destruction to facilitate its, its uh, achievement of, uh, its, its, uh, of, uh, of uh, its strategies. Uh, we, 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 I think it's important we understand precisely why they do what they do and why they're successful in terms of utilizing uh, ruthlessness and destruction in terms of achieving objectives. Now, having said that, Brother Africa, I want you to check this out. Now, the systematic oppression and ruthless enforcement of the world order serves the interests of a small cabal of capitalists who employ deception and guile to manipulate an unsuspecting population that feel powerless. The catalyst behind the coercion and force in benefit to the interests of connected capitalists lies a system in benefit to a small minority. That system, capitalism, use of violence to achieve its social-political objectives, perpetuates violence at a level that is not only the basis of inequality, but devastation to both life and the planet. Greta Thornburg, the 19-year-old eco-activist, recently declared, the downfall of capitalism is essential if humanity is to regain a sense of normalcy. Thornburg's assessment of society is generally true, but has particular resonance for the most violent nation known in contemporary times, the U.S., in the U.S., the Supreme Court has been instrumental in reshaping U.S. society. Content to destroy regulatory agencies like Food Drug Administration or the Environmental Protection Agency that make liberal democracy possible, the Supreme Court focus has been to empower privatization, thereby consolidating power among the capitalist class. By enhancing the power of the capitalists, self-interest is assured. Levels of violence and inequality proliferate, and the inevitable rise of authoritarianism we're ensured the continuation of fascism in American society. Ironically, fascism will determine the rights of the, popula- of the population. Rights as simplistic as access to food can easily be denied by simply establishing policy, legally sanctioned, 
that abrogates human rights advocating the right to food. Strategic benefits to denying people food is very effective in controlling the population. If you think this is hyperbole, think about inflation and its impact on food prices. Corporate greed and price gouging, more than any other factor, account for the 8.4% food price increases despite the availability of food, this according to the panel Sustainable Food. In other words, even though enough food exists to keep prices from going up, prices continue to rise. Corporate objective of maximizing profits are achieved, but equally important, the level of stress and instability imposed on the poor results in a more dependent and pliable population too distracted to advocate for political change or contesting conditions geared toward malaise and premature death of working people. Now, the desire to form disruption does serve U.S. political objectives. In the case of the U.S. proxy war with Russia using Ukraine, Ukraine as cannon fodder, the strategy is, is the impoverishment, <clears throat> impoverishment of Europe, particularly Germany, utilizing U.S. sanctions to prevent, if not discourage, Europe from increasing trade with Russia or China. Dr. Michael, Michael Hudson characterized U.S. sanctions as an attempt by the U.S. to compel Europe to be dependent on the U.S. for trade, particularly for energy. This strategy has proved effective. Currently, most of Europe gas comes from the U.S. Even though the gas from the U.S. is of lower quality, capitalists in Europe abide by this gain by playing along, even at the expense of their own economies. Negative economic impacts on their populations are palpable. Arbitrary impacts on European economies have seen inflation at unprecedented levels, and the economic consequences have been deteriorating healthcare systems, central banks' interest rates increases, and massive social unrest. Now they're missing an opportunity <clears throat> to take advantage of a crisis. The CIA, along with its European counterparts, have been busy propping up right-wing groups and or individuals, giving right-wing rhetoric legitimacy, and in the process, creation of right-wing groups willing to carry out the mandates of corporate interests, which entails killing those in opposition to timely by the state or massive inequality. Similar strategies are being employed in the U.S. where right-wingers are not classified as terrorists despite their terroristic actions, and insurrectionists are characterized as law-abiding. Now, interestingly, often U.S. political strategy employs dubious logic that invades any sense of reality. We see the U.S. government sued a cement firm, Lafarge of France, for $800 million. The trial held in the U.S. Eastern District alleges Lafarge, Inc. paid jihadists in Syria $6 million to constrain competition among competing firms and in return would pay jihadists part of the profits Lafarge obtained. The fact Lafarge was instrumental in facilitating terror against the Syrian population was not the concern of the legal system according to the attorney Breon Peace. While material support for terrorism was one element, the fact that France undermined the possibility of competition in the marketplace was a definitive crime. And the France supported terrorism and advocated competition in the marketplace, this long-term strategy used by the U.S. military intelligence would not have been constituted a crime. <clears throat> Without question, when government equate corporate power as absolute, we should well heed this warning. Syrians killing Syrians certainly serves the interests of U.S. corporate and foreign policy. Any entity capable of challenging U.S. national security interests defined by corporations has to be very powerful. Possession of this kind of power inside the U.S. and outside simply means corporate pursuit of power is limitless. Now, if corporate interests mandate the destruction of the superfluous, those without material wealth, who exists to stop them, particularly when governments is beholden to the corporate state? 
Increasingly, the level of destruction imposed upon the powerless is more insidious, concealed in oblique packaging that uses the legitimacy of established institutions. COVID-19 is a perfect example of creating the conditions in which a vaccine presumably for good resulting in more harm than good. For example, in the U.S. alone, over 98 million people infected, infected, resulting in over 1 million deaths. Internationally, over 632 million cases resulting in 18 million deaths. In the U.S., the irony is with, with only 110 beds average per 10,000 COVID diagnosis, the supply falls woefully short, but despite lack of hospital beds, the number of COVID deaths were minuscule. How will you explain allegedly such a dangerous virus with a, with a low mobility and mortality level? The machinations do not end with COVID-19. Currently, corporations in conjunction with U.S. intelligence <clears throat> funded with U.S. government dollars are working on messenger RNA interference technology. Combined with anti-sense technology, the objective is to create viruses, viral molecules that bind with receptors on cells to hijack specific functions of cells on any parts of the body. If I were to surmise, I would suspect the destructive impulse of capitalism will employ this technology in keeping with U.S. national security interests on some poor, unsuspecting nations before it is unleashed on the U.S. population. The bottom line is without planned destruction of people and ecosystems, the longevity of capitalism seeks cannot be assured. While we sleep comfortably at night, plans to innovate increasingly, increasing levels of destruction on humanity ruminates in the minds of very powerful, amoral individuals who marvel at ingenious ways to kill. Capitalism's existence ensures the elevation of the most sadistic individuals, innovating technologies that will hasten destruction across the board. We all must be concerned. And Brother Africa, I'll close with that. Brother, you definitely have to give the people something to think about. We thank you. Next, we go to Brother Moses and welcome him to Africa on the Move. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Move. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in this struggle for scientific socialism for the moment I was introduced to Marxism during the government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is often finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I believe that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, E-R-A-E-S. And the struggle continues to be to unite the many to defeat the few. We have to continue to speak truth to power and and rely on dialectics. And I want to thank you again, Brother Al, for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses. And by the way, for our listening audience, Brother Moses and our next upcoming panelists and Sister Eleanor, they are members of the D.C. Metro Cuban Coalition in Defense of the Revolution. So right now we will go directly to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Can you hear us, Sister Eleanor? Hello, I think we may be having some technical issues with Sister Eleanor. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to a revolutionary cultural break, and when we come back, 
we're going to discuss what's going on in your world and community. This is Brother Africa, and you are listening to Africa on the Move. We'll be right back. Black man, go on and get a cat scan. I had same rap too straight, too tight. We get a backhand, there ain't no Batman in this black land. I wish a rich nigga would come and save the day and pave the way. Ain't no amazing grace. I blaze the haze to remain the faith. Twenty years with my medicine, but they wanna throw me away for that. Then turn around and legalize it. I wish being black was truly accepted. Four hundred year elephant in the room. This ain't a new deal. They've been treating us like animals. We in a zoo still. So let me tell you how I feel. Guilty. Conscious trumps common sense every day, y'all. Ignore the issues, look at the victim like it's their fault. As if a wagon ain't harassing, waiting for jaywalkers in front of the building, minding your business. You was trying to pay your bills as if that wasn't to mention. Conjunction, junction, tell me what's your intention. Don't call him king, then treat him like some common folk. You a fighter like Ronda Rose. Rousey move around the rope. Drowsy with a cloud of smoke. How'd he do for Maui, bro? Traveling around the globe, you didn't know, but now you know. Early morning rising, my end of a long kick in. Birdman hand rubs, feeling my palms itching. I need a spiritual thought with top that's top notch. We watch Black Power Docs and study our chakras. Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. And we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. Oh dear black man, tell me what happened You can't be low when your glow's everlasting Him with your ass been on ass been like a has been Raising the trap when the guard talk math and moves with a max in Not that nigga back then, but look now nigga I'm established, cut camera action I cut lines with my sad card, my bitch is packing Then I'm cutting in line with a bad boy, they caught him flagging Then huddle around him with a stat chart look You say I wake up feeling better than I ever been Check out my melanin, it's now the makeup for the mannequin That wants to be the same as the slave on the sedative You kill culture, I give knowledge, I spit stylish Crane kicks and Balenciagas and speaking science And bodegas that grow flavors was taught language Was taught to talk with the razor from having Spanish neighbors I fought the haters, court cases and lost paper Educated killers walking no ladies cross the street Turn back around, walk across and sell hard to a fee No turning back now, rent due and your kids gotta eat yeah. Black man rooted deep with the blood of a king Yeah, Black man roses arose from the cold concrete I eat, walk, talk, gritty Snitches get buck fifty Slice buck fifty, both get cut quickly until they free Goldie. Nobody can fuck Talk with about me. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. So we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. And we gon' cop a ticket and 
fly on out fly on out Black became beautiful and made America great again See the page of history or see the grave and hate again I'm from New York, the last state to free the slaves And now we getting to the point where they rebooting Martin Payne and them Black man, switch it up, just to be versatile Why you always mean mugging? Man, it never hurts to smile Make a record, break a record, get the record straight I'm just trying to get it going, I'm trying to accelerate Life alert Welcome to my world, live and living color, stay low, word to J-Lo, out here with my fly girl, black man, black man, they give you whack answers, they robbing you with Batman, they give you Black Panther, when all our people dying, they think that we need a movie, but the box office don't break off the descendants of Huey, think about it, I'm cooler than a Coca-Cola polar bear, hold up, roll up something potent right before we go in there, maroon custom support that shit that touches the streets, puffing a leaf on a corner that gave me nothing but grief, don't come around my way if your whole message is how much you got if you ain't got no fucking shots then don't touch the fucking rock lucy still 50 cent cool what kind of blunts you got you can lock a few niggas for hustling but nothing stops the judge just makes a hero and a young black boy lose their fucking pops and go on a robin spree like fuck the ops phone out of battery black mirror word the windex king of the table of contents human index i handle everything myself the one man quintet Let's take it where it hasn't been yet. Dear black man. Worth life. One take. Fuck you. You have the emergence in human society of this thing that's called the state. What is the state? The state is this organized bureaucracy. It is the police department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state and people, well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, you have the emergence in human society of this thing that's called the state. What is the state? The state is this organized bureaucracy. It is the police department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state and people, well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what you'd be doing to yourselves. You'd be killing each other if there were no police. But the reality is, the police become necessary in human society. You know how we think Organize the hood under our chain banners Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas FBI spying on us through the radio antennas And I'm hitting cameras in the street like watching society With no respect for the people's right to privacy I take a slug for the cause like Huey P While all you fake niggas try to copy Master P I wanna be free to live Able to have what I need to live Bring the power back to the street where the people live We sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons Dying over money and relying on religion for help We do for self like ants in a colony Organize the welcome to a socialist economy A way of life based off the common need And all my comrades is ready, he just spreading the seed Shout out to black male Live a third of his life in a jail cell Cause the world is controlled by the white male And the people don't never get justice And the women don't never get respected And the problems don't never get solved And the jobs don't never pay enough So the rent always be late 
No more bondage, no more political monsters, no more secret space launches. Government departments started it in the projects, material objects, thousands up in the closet. Could have been invested in the future for my comrades. Battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat. Many never come back, pretty niggas be running with gas. Rather get shot in they back than fire back. We're tired of that. Corporations hiring blacks, denying the facts, exploiting us all over the map. That's why I write the shit I write in my rap. It's documented, I meant it. Every day of the week, I live in it, breathing it, it's more than just fucking believing it, I'm holding in ones, rolling up my sleeves and shit, it's C-Lo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion, niggas ain't ready for revolution. The average black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell, cause the world is controlled by the white male, and the people don't never get justice, and the women don't never get respected, and the problems don't never get solved, and the jobs don't never pay enough. So the rent always be late. Can you relate? We live in a police state. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Move. This is part three on the series News You Can Use and More. Right now, we're going to make our transition to the first segment of our program. During this program, we're expecting to have with us special guest, Sister Infachi, of the Million Women Move, and March, and Movement, as as well as we hope to have with us Sister Jacqueline Wade, who work with the Maria Movement. As they come along, we'll bring them in, but in the meantime, I'm Brother Africa. We're going to be in the seat and we're going to take the heat. We're going to bring on our political panelists and analysts. And we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in your world and the community. You're welcome to join us, like always, by calling 323-679-0841. That's right, 323-679-0841. We'd like to hear your perspective in terms of what's going on in your world and your community. Feel free to call in, and when you call in, please hit one so we can acknowledge your last four numbers. So at this point in time, what I would like to do is start off this discussion with my panelists and analysts. Just ask them about their response from the governor of Virginia, who recently said in the year 2023, he's advocating and trying to put in new legislation that from the grade level of K to the fifth grade, that's right, K to the fifth grade, there will be no discussion about the history of, of Martin Luther King and the so-called civil rights period. That will be denied access to students from the age of K to the fifth grade when you talk about social studies and history. Now, what is the value and the purpose of denying and not recognizing that aspect of our history to the youth of the day from the grade level K to the fifth grade. Also, I was recently reading an article on around the country. For some reason, they may no longer know how to so-called legally inject um, people who have been put on a death row and kill them in a so-called humane way. There seems to be some kind of way that people are not following the so-called uh, instructions and procedures where at least human beings will be treated in a humanly way, which 
we don't know this is not a human way when you inject it, he would be in the kingdom. But anyway, you see like there's torture going on when they now can out these so-called execution within these criminal justice prison systems. Well, we said criminal injustice prison system. So panelists, was this proposal no longer teaching civil rights history, teaching the history of MLK and his contribution to this society and the world from the grade level K to, to, to grade 5? What do you all make of this nonsense? i start off with you, Brother Haki, your response. <laughs> Brother Africa, I think it's just uh, emblematic you know, of the uh, the insanity that's permeating in society. Uh, one thing is very clear, the ruling class are uh, under threat. And, of course, the role of information, the role of knowledge has a very um, penetrating impact. In, in fact, when you endow people with information, with knowledge, they tend to make better choices. They tend to see the world in much clearer terms. And certainly one of the things when we talk about the deconstruction of capitalism as the system declines, People in the power don't want people to think critically in terms of what goes on in society. What is interesting, when you talk about, you know, pre-K to fifth graders, one of the things, you talk about somebody like Martin Luther King, who stood for good. When you talk about such an individual, it's, it's discussed in such a way in which these kids essentially get it. They can understand on a very rudimentary level the difference between what is good and what is bad. They don't want these kids to grow up with that strong sense in terms of what, are, what is good and what is bad. I suspect what they're doing is they're trying to um, um, sort of uh, delay that process. So when the kid, by the time the kids get to sixth grade, they've been so indoctrinated with their parents in terms of, you know, uh, resisting certain ideas. I think when you start talking about uh, uh, Martin Luther King at by the sixth grade, the biases are efficient in these kids where they can just simply dismiss the relevance in terms of why Martin Luther King existed in the first place. So I think that this is pretty much pretty much a, a symptomatic of, you know, uh, of a declining system. And of course, um, you know, uh, truth is a very difficult, uh, very difficult thing for people in position of power to absorb. Uh, one of the things that you can create a situation with children, uh, uh, don't think about these these kind of situations. We talk about the the absurdity or the injustice that permeates society. If you get kids not to think about those things, and of course you put in, uh, ultimately end up with adults. We don't think about those kinds of things, which means that the system gets perpetuated, which is precisely what they want. And when we talk about to perpetuate the system, we cannot dismiss the idea that when you, when, you, when people who grow up are ignorant in terms of the realities, then when they embrace ideas that are counterproductive or ideas that are destructive, they do so out of the guise because that's, they think that's what they're supposed to do. And certainly when you talk about the lack of knowledge, it certainly prepares them to accept and embrace those ideas, those practices, which are antithetical to what is good for humanity. So this, I think, this is the point. This is what the, the ruling class, the conservative uh, right wing, wants to to achieve. I think that uh, uh, the mere fact that they talk, they talk, you know, they they they're adamantly opposed to little little kids learning what is good in in the world, speaks to the kind of um, a difference uh, the ruling class have with respect to what is decent and wholesome and what is just and what is fair. So clearly, Brother Africa, I think this is symptomatic of a decline in the economy, so I don't think anybody should be surprised. But more importantly, I think it's important for we to teach our children the history. I keep saying that. We don't, have, we don't need anybody else to, to, to validate our history. We must teach our children the history. Very simple, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. As we stated earlier in our announcement, we will be having 
Sister Emperor Chief for the Ring Woman Margin Movement, and our Sister Jacqueline Wade, they will be joining us during this segment. And I see they now in the in the box. And what we're going to do right now, we're going to bring them in. We're going to talk about what's going on in their world, in their community. And first, we'd like to bring in Sister Empress, welcome her to Africa on the Move. And welcome Sister Empress, the originator of the Million Woman March. Welcome, my sister. How are you doing? Yes, greetings, brothers. Greetings, family. And thank you again for allowing us to share this information tonight. Always wonderful to be here on Africa on the Move. And along with our sister, we also have with our sister Jacqueline Way, who is Hi, speaking on how you doing? Her, her struggle and the movement she involved in in terms of trying to free our brother movement. Sister Jacqueline, we'd like to welcome you to Africa on the Move. We'd ask you to introduce yourself. You're a first-time visitor, and tell us a little something about you. Sure. I'm a first-time visitor. I'm uh, with the Mumia Abu-Jamal Health Committee, and I am bringing a giant Mumia puppet for the fabulous uh, event at the UN on genocide on Saturday. But we'll get more into detail later. Um, about that, and Sister will tell you more about all that than me. Yeah. Okay. And, and Brother, Africa, Brother Africa, also check your boards because we may also be in. We may be joined by Sister Gwen uh, DeBrow, who is also a part of the Free Mumia mm-hmm. Committee in New York. So, so check and to see if she may be Yes, I sent that to you in your chat. I her think we have Sister Gwen now on 5449. Right. Sister Gwen, if you mm-hmm. can hear me, we'd like to welcome yes, you as I, well to Africa yes, Move. Welcome, my sister. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, Sister Gwen, briefly introduce yourself to our listening audience. Sure. My name is Gwen DeBrow, and um, I work with the campaign to bring Mumia home as well as mobilization for Mumia and Love Not Fear, based in Philadelphia. But I'm based in New York with the campaign to bring women at home. But I work with And you work with us also. Okay. Excuse me? You also work with the Women Health Committee. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> hey, Jacqueline, <laughs> I didn't know you were going to be on too. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Don't oh, worry about that. We know we do, so much, we do so much work. We just want to be uh, humble because there's so much work yeah. you've done by so few people. So, so, so we, glad, we, we are honored to have you all here tonight. But this is our segment of what's going on in your world community. We started with Sister Empress. I understand you have some projects and things going on. Give us an update. What's going on on the, with the Million Women March movement, Sister Empress? Oh, well, as you know, Brother Africa, we always doing stuff. We would not be us if we did not do things on an ongoing, regular basis. And that's what we were taught, that consistency is key. And so we we see the examples of many who have come before us, and it is our commitment. And and just we must continue to work in that frame mind or in that frame of reference to be consistent and to do these things by any and all means necessary. And so MWM has gone through many trials and tribulations over the years, but we always we we like to what's to do the energetic bunny or somebody. Uh, we take a licking, but we keep on ticking. That's right. And, you know, and again, you know, as they say, you know, true crust to the earth will definitely rise again. And so that is what we are now doing. We're rising up. 
We're now the first global movement for women and girls of African descent worldwide. And as you know, today we had, I think, our fourth meeting where we are meeting with sisters globally in preparation for the Million Woman World March, which will take place next year in at least three continents, along with several cities throughout the U.S. Uh, We'll tell you more about that a little later on, but presently, uh, MWM, meaning Million Woman March Universal Movements, we have launched several campaigns. Uh, One of them is the We Charge Genocide 21 Project, and we kind of examined the work of of several, Paul Robeson, William Patterson, uh, Dr. Yusef Klee, Dr. Robert Brock, of course, Queen Mother Moore, and definitely Mother St. Callie House. We, We examined those works and others to see what reparations really is or was, uh, you know, we looked at to see how they were doing it. Of course, Malcolm X, 1964, going to the African Union on our behalf to bring the issue of black human rights violations. And so we had to look closely to see what are we talking about today. Of course, many are focusing on reparations slash reparatory justice, but how is that relevant to genocide? And so we created five years ago the We Charge Genocide 21, which not only focuses on reparations, but 21 areas of crimes against humanity as it pertains to our people for over 400-plus years. And so we look at the uh, uh, genocide of yesterday or, you know, in first being brought here, uh, but also looking at it presently and particularly in, in the form of sophistication, the, the ways genocide slash crimes against humanity is inflicted upon us. With that said, one of the areas is COINTELPRO, connected to, of course, political prisoners. These are two of the, of the 21 areas that we say is genocide. How and why? Well, examine COINTELPRO, what it specifically has said to target our people and others, but our focus is always our people. Uh, that's not necessarily a political correct thing to say, and for some, you know, they don't like it, and all we say is too bad because that's who and what we are, and others can say and do whatever they like, and that's fine, and we support that. But we also support self-determination in that we're very specific in what we say, and that is, our political prisoners, people of African descent. That doesn't mean we don't support others, but this particular campaign is specific. People of African descent. Those are the people that the We Charge Genocide 21 is working to get freed, as well as to make certain that justice is served the way we see it, based on the murders of Fred Hampton, Chairman Fred Hampton in Chicago, and and so many others that COINTELPRO has been connected to in terms of murder, set up, incarceration, and so forth. There's so many. And so to fast forward, Mumia Abu-Jamal, when you read some of the files on Mumia going back to him when he was 14 years of age, we realize that several of our freedom fighters were, in fact, targeted. And Mumia is clearly one of them. So now with hopefully, prayfully, 
December 16th is his next court date. He's got to be freed now after 40 years. And by the way, December 9th is coming. Uh, that will mark 41 years of Mumia almost being killed and, of course, then captured come December 9th. So on December 10th, we plan to be outside of the United Nations building in New York, the headquarters, with, as Sister Jacqueline mentioned, uh, with the banner, with banners, with puppets, with, with whatever. We, you know, we, it's not going to be a large crowd. That's not the point. But it will be on record that we are issuing a public, a people's indictment of COINTELPRO. And with that, the demand for the release of all of our political prisoners, including Iman Jamil Alameen. And, and of course, uh, Dr. Matula Shakur is actually due to be released on December 16th, the day uh, of Mumia's court date. But, but our position, our sisters that are with us tonight and those who are with us in spirit, we are just making certain that as many people can know about What's going on with Mumia? Uh, when my sisters come on, they're going to give you some updates in terms of the health situation uh, because that's the committee that they have a primary focus on, uh, even though, you know, all of the issues of Mumia is, is a priority. But, but again, uh, there are health issues that, that need to be looked at. He's served 40 years. This needs to stop, and we need to make sure that as many people know about this and then take some action. We got some action steps for you as well. But, again, next Saturday is International Human Rights Day. Many are leaving on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday to go to Geneva for some special sessions uh, dealing with human rights issues. So we're going to chime in our way. We can't be in Geneva, but we certainly can make certain that a message is sent. And, and uh, Sister Julia Wright informed us last night on our call that uh, UN officials are watching. They are aware of Mumia. So now we've got to make sure that we uh, follow up and, and even, you know, strengthen what they already know. So I'm going to turn it over to our sisters. I'll just say next Saturday, if you're in the New York area, and, and also we're going to be on Facebook, so you can join us that way as well. Uh, starting at 12 o'clock noon, we'll be doing a press briefing and a rally. It is to free Mumia Abu-Jamal and all of our political prisoners. If you want to sign on, because we're going to launch the campaign on that day, which is the People's Indictment of COINTELPRO. Uh, lastly, a few days prior to that, uh, on Zoom, there will be two special sessions on the 7th and the 8th for students, students, young adults, uh, youth, and, and parents, too, to begin to help our young folks to know what human rights is, what the Universal Declaration of Human Rights is, what is reparations, who are some of the people. They will, there's, there's what we call a teach-in and speak-out. And then we'll have them to share with us what are their views about some of the injustices uh, that we have seen and are seeing in our community. So I'm going to turn it over to our sisters. Well, back to you, Brother Africa, first, and then you can uh, go from there. But again, family, uh, you can reach us at National MWM 
at AOL.com. Again, NationalMWM at AOL.com. And I'll give you some other uh, email and numbers to call. But I need to point this out as well. And then we're going to go back to Brother Africa. Um, Children are coming from um, Elaine, Arkansas, for the rally that we're going to have on Saturday. And this is where we really need uh, your additional support because we want to make sure that the children are able to come comfortably and then also be able to enjoy their stay. These children are descendants of loved ones who were murdered in Elaine, Arkansas. For those who are not familiar with what's known as the the, uh, Red Summer, 1919, uh, we didn't hear much about it. In fact, I didn't hear anything at at all until Sister Julia brought it to our attention. But at least 50 people were murdered, black folk were murdered in Elaine, Arkansas in, in September 1919. And One of them, well, prior to that happening, and again, this was based on black folks who were farmers, who wanted to come together, protect their land, grow and develop, and white supremacists said no, and as a result, murdered them. Now, the report said 50. Uh, Of course, the people say at least 100. So the point is there are children coming or young adults coming who are the descendants of, uh, of murdered uh, people, our people. And Sister Julia has been brilliant in connecting the tragedy and the terrorism of the families of the people there, which, by the way, her uncle few a year or so prior to those murders, her uncle was hung there. And that's how the connection kind of came about, her doing the research about her uncle, then learning about the massacre that occurred uh, in that town, which is now still suffering. But the point is children, young adults rather, are coming to join in in support of solidarity to free Mumia. And, and again, they have been uh, provided much information. They know about Mumia. So they're, they're not just coming for the trip. They know about Mumia and are in full support. They feel and sense what has happened with him uh, in the injustice, and they are writing letters that will go to the judge to convey to the judge she really needs to do the right thing. And we're asking all of you to do the same thing, but with children or young adults or students in your circle. We want this to be a national campaign that is both for Mumia but also for all of our political prisoners. So let's go back to Brother Africa, and, and then we're going to hear from our sisters. I'm so honored, my sister. You allow me to get back to the mic. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this is Sister <laughs> Jacqueline, you know we love you. Yes. Um, what's what's up with this with this big um? Well, you gonna bring a big a big um? <laughs> a big a giant what's, what's, puppet. It's a yeah. Yeah, a giant, giant puppy. Movie. How does that relate to this concept of freedom? Yeah. What's up with this giant puppy? Talk to our listening audience. Tell us sure. what's the okay. of that. So I'm going to give you a little history. I uh, started attending uh, marches and demonstrations maybe about three and a half years ago in Philadelphia for Mumia Abdul-Jamal. And I am an activist who's an artist, puppet maker, filmmaker, so on and so forth. And one thing I noticed, there were a lot of brilliant speakers, but I said, this needs more than that. It needs a puppet, okay? Puppets large political puppets capture attention 
okay? And I brought this to Pam Africa's attention. I said, how would you like a giant, maybe 18 to 20 foot puppet of mumia? The first time I ever saw Pam smile, she came all giddy. Yes, three and a half months or so making it. I wasn't sure how well it would turn out or not. And uh, we brought it down, I think it was like June 3rd. And it was uh, it was uh, an event for Consuelo. I remember that we were supposed to go to the Liberty Bell, and but it rained that day. But it was it was magnificent. It got the people's attention. It got them talking about mumia, um, and I just know from past experience dealing with large puppets that it doesn't matter what side of the argument you are on in mumia. First of all, that puppet captures your attention. Then it also humanizes Mumia. You understand what I'm saying, okay? To me, Mm -hmm. the puppet is nothing but pure love. Pure love is what Mumia is. This man, as Sister Filet has said, has served 40 years, okay? Whether you think he's guilty or not, he served his time. Release him, release him, release him. Release him, you know? So, um, yeah, puppet is a... Stronger or as strong as a banner, as strong as a speaker, it makes a statement, a very strong political statement. And in terms of looking at this case and this judge that's going to be held in this case, mm-hmm. are there anything in reference to the judge you would like to maybe share with our listening audience? What are you sure. expecting from from the judge? Okay. You think you can get more of a justice so, judge this time around? Right, right. Okay. Um, One thing I forgot to mention, right, and then I'll go right into the judge. The children from Elaine, Arkansas, are actually coming in this Thursday, and they're going to spend a day on what I call maintenance of the puppet. So things where he may be needing a little patch-up of painting or paper mache, that's going to be them. It's going to be hands-on with them. And Mama Julia was just thrilled. (laughs) She's got, like, a little kid also herself, you know, and... Afterwards, we're going to take them to dinner. Uh, I believe my church is going to help bring them there along with the Mumia Health Committee. Uh, And I know they would love to hear them read the letters and all like that and then see a little bit of um, New York. Now, to the judge. Okay. Um, I sat in that hearing and, you know, she's a very articulate woman and she even appears compassionate. But you know, I was really shocked with um, the result of it. I was even more shocked when I saw the documentary, the short documentary that the Archdiocese of Philadelphia put out because uh, she is Catholic, like I am Catholic by baptism, okay, even though I have issues with Catholicism now. And what it was showing was that how she was a devout Catholic, how she practiced the Beatitudes, okay, which is very hard to believe, Um, how her great-grandfather had been lynched by the KKK, how she had three black sons, okay, three, three, right, and that um, she was for restorative justice, yet she's not for any kind of justice for Mumia. And I find that very um, sad, very, very sad that um, this woman claims to represent what she represents, highly esteemed, highly respected, right, but is not willing 
go forward and give his case another chance. That's problematic. You know, she's saying procedural. His lawyers have followed procedural, okay? What it appears to me is perhaps she's being pressured by the governor or Rendell or whomever else she is a puppet for, okay? But it's, it's wrong. It's really wrong, wrong, wrong. What I'm hoping, okay, because I believe all human beings have love in their heart, is that she will find the love for Mumia and give her compassion and understanding as another human being towards this man's case. And I believe she has, you know, really, really studied his case in depth. And she knows, as well as we know, that he's innocent. And no matter what may be pressuring her, we're just asking her, just do the right thing. Do the right thing or just walk away. Walk away, okay? Walk away. He doesn't deserve this. He doesn't deserve this. Just understand that Mumia is her son. She is Mumia, okay? We are Mumia. And until she understands that, that's going to be a, a very big problem. You know, Sister um, Jackman, from the beginning, this case has been been very political, a political one. Someone may will ask you, understand the political nature of this case. What love has to do anything with this case? What will be your response? Love. <laughs> What's love have to do with it? Okay. So for me, I just um, I attended a retreat up at Peace Village, okay? And the whole thing was a path to love. And it wasn't so much a relationship between man and woman, woman and woman or whomever, whomever, right? But it's about humanity, okay? Why are we here on this earth? You know, it's not here to kill and destroy each other. It's to deal with love. It's not to have a man incarcerated for 40 years to life. Not about that, okay? You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I understand that she is a judge, and I'm not going to take that away from her. But I'm talking about the universal principles of love, seeing the love and humanity in Mumia. You understand? That's what I'm talking about. Just see, just like she loves her son, love Mumia. Understand him as a human being, but she's not seeing that. Do you understand? She really understood love, and she really understood his case, which I know she does. Then things would be different. Am I making sense? It makes sense, but, you know, you know, in capitalism, you know, there's really no love in, in, in capitalism, but um, we can struggle and try to do the best we can to make things right. That happened to get our brother out. But let me just make this transition to our sister Gwen. Sister mm-hmm. Gwen, can you give us an update on the status of Mumia Health and any other issues concerning this issue of health care as it relates to his case? Sister Gwen. Well, currently, um, organizers, particularly Noel Hanrahan and uh, Dr. Ricardo and Mark Taylor, who's uh, a theologian at Princeton University. He's been involved with the Mumia case longer than, way longer than I have. Um, but he's his spiritual advisor, and they, you know, visit him on a regular basis. Um, Dr. Ricardo, I believe, um, 
visited him a couple of weeks ago. He, this was the first time the two of them met. But um, from what I understand, Mumi is doing a lot better. Who else commented? Some, someone said recently, oh, um, Steve Vittoria, the gentleman that did the movie Long Distance Revolutionary, which was screened um, a couple of nights ago online, um, he um, uh, has saw Mumia recently, from what I understand, just as um, Dr. Ricardo has, and they give a good report. Nevertheless, they're still fighting. We're still fighting to get him a healthy diet, a healthy heart diet, you know, which is less, you know, less carbs, more more um, fresh vegetables and fruit, <coughs> clean water. Excuse me, an exercise mm-hmm. regimen, you know, not being um, so, um, uh, I was going to say incarcerated, um, not being so uh, pinned down to his to his cell and, and actually getting fresh air. So we're working on that actually currently. And I think in the end he's eventually going to get it, even though they're fighting like mad not to not to give it to him. Because if they give it to him, guess what? They're going to have to give it to the other prisoners too, which is good. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to um, sentence people to life in prison, seems like to me <laughs> you would want to have them live longer. No, I mean I don't know. Um, seems contradictory to 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 feed them carbohydrates so much so that they get diabetes and end up, you know, chopping off their arms or legs and they get, you know, um, heart disease because that's what he developed um, during the two years we were, you know, on, on with, with COVID. He developed a heart disease because he was, they had to remain in, the, in their cells 23 hours a day um, and uh, they had their meals um, in their cells. They weren't able to be with other you know, with the other people. So um, that's how Mumia developed uh, a coronary heart disease. And he was, unfortunately, um, if he doesn't get out of there soon, he's going to die there because his heart is going to give out because he has a weakened heart. He's not. The man is 68 years old, and prison ages you, you know, um, and... um, and don't forget, he was shot, you know, right. and um, he's got diabetes. He's got a chronic um, skin uh, ailment. And the other thing is he's got a serious heart heart disease, which can, is can not going to Can I add something? Sure. Add Go ahead. Something? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Sure. So, Sister Gwen, what she's also talking about is that, okay, if Mumia is 68, he's really like 88. You have to understand, it ages you. It's not the mind, the body, by being in such physical body, by being in such a horrible contained situation with what they're feeding him, the stress he's under, not being around loved ones. That's why, and just going to make an aside, this this new bill that Senator Street is is introducing, SB uh, 835, deals with compassionate release. However, Mumia is not considered under compassionate release because he's not terminal, okay? And the argument is, why should a prisoner get out 
when he's at stage four cancer and only has less than one year to live. So you're talking about the quality of life is just not there. It's not there. And Mumia and all the other prisoners deserve better. Mr. Gamble, who had gotten um, compassionate release, uh, I think it was back in March, recently died. And the one thing that he begged for, he begged for chemotherapy. You have to understand, begging for it, and he can't get it. And he suffered, and he suffered. So I'm going to let Gwen continue, but um, it's, it's inhumane. It's beyond inhumane uh, what's happening to these, these prisoners. He's been there over 40 years. And like I keep saying again, if you even think he's guilty, he served his time. Let him out. Just let him out. Let him out. He's of no harm to anyone. Okay? And I will say this to Faulkner's wife. Faulkner is the one who's the wife of the officer who was shot. Okay? What I would love her to do is find forgiveness. Okay? Whether she blames Mumia or she blames someone else, just find forgiveness. Find love and let him out. Okay? Let him out. Go ahead, Gwen. Sorry. Because he, like Jackie just said, he's no threat to anyone. Uh, Mumia, Mumia was is was a nerd as a young child, and he's a nerd now, and that's why we know for sure. I was not there, but guess what? I would, I know for sure that Mumia did not commit that crime. And the reason why I know that is because the phys- there is no physical, they have no physical evidence to link Mumia to the murder of Daniel Faulkner. All they have is testimony by speculative people, by a, 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 a prostitute. Um, they have a testimony by Robert Chaubert, who was driving without a license and had a pending criminal case against him uh, for throwing a Molotov cocktail in a, at a schoolyard. And he claims, he claims that he was parked behind a police officer's uh, car on December 9, 1981 at 4 a.m. in the morning, who would, a criminal was directly behind a police officer. It doesn't add up. Secondly, um, witnesses say, excuse me, pit and pictures show, demonstrate that his car was not parked behind behind the police officer's car. Um, the pictures that the Pedro Polikov pictures were discovered, which was discovered in 2006, and Pedro Polikov, um, a crime scene photographer actually offered those pictures to the prosecution and they blew the, blew him off. They never wanted those pictures. But meanwhile, they um, claim Omiya, you know, uh, killed a police officer. Meanwhile, the pictures don't show, the pictures do not show any divots or holes in the ground where they said Momia shot the officer. Also, the pictures show the the police officers mishandling the weapons they have with with their bare hands, um, and also Officer Faulkner had a um, a driver's license license application in his shirt pocket 
with the name Arnold Beverly on it. His hat, the Daniel Faulkner's hat, was on the passenger side of Billy Cook's car, who Billy Cook is Mumia's brother. The hat, the police officer's hat, was on the passenger side of the of the VW, the car, which means that there was a fourth person at the scene of the of the incident where this police officer died and Mumia was shot by the police officer as he was running to aid his brother. Um, the jury never knew that there was a fourth person um, at the scene. All they knew was at the scene, all they know was at the scene was Mumia, the dead cop, uh, who was wounded, excuse me, the dead cop, Mumia was wounded um, in the chest, got shot by Faulkner and Billy Cook. They were not aware that there was a fourth person at the um, at the crime scene. Also, um, Mumia was, uh, like uh, Sister Empress uh, spoke about, Mumia was tracked uh, by the Philadelphia police and the FBI who had a 700-page dossier on a child, and in their own records, I read it for myself. One of the chat, one of the uh, documents said the Negro male showed no propensity towards violence. They also had a photograph of Mumia with the word "dead" written on it, and the cops claim that they never did a. Um, a gunpowder residue test to test Mumia's hands to see if he shot a weapon and to test the gun to see if it was shot. But the cop, a cop was killed and you never did that test. That far, that defies logic and uh, standard uh, criminal uh, investigations, particularly when a cop was murdered and you didn't do that test. No. Um, that doesn't make it. That doesn't uh, make any sense to me. I met uh, Mumia uh, a few years ago before um, COVID hit us. Oh, it must have been about three or four years ago. And my my heart bleeds for this man because in my heart I know he did not do what they said he what they claimed that he did because there's no evidence. There's no physical evidence to. Uh, to to link him physically to the to the uh, to the dead cop. There's not even even there's not even any blood, Daniel Faulkner's blood uh, on Mumia because they said uh, uh, Jack not not Jack McMahon, uh, the prosecutor um, uh, McGill, Joseph McGill said that Mumia uh, stood over Daniel Faulkner and shot him point blank. If he did that, then Mumia would have Daniel Faulkner's blood on him. He does not. This is a frame-up well, because Mumia was a was a uh, vigilant reporter who Rizzo actually threatened at a press conference, and he was a supporter of MOVE, and he spoke out vigilantly about police brutality, and he was a he was a threat to them. So they they had a perfect patsy for this for this unfortunate death police officer. They also claim uh, two officers, police officers, also claim that Mumia said, "I shot the MF." Now Mumia doesn't even speak like that. He doesn't speak like that. He's not a, someone you know to use profanity 
um, and the, uh, the doctor at that night noticed, recalled that Mumia didn't say anything because he, he was almost in shock. His sister who went to see him that night and his, uh, said that he was barely recognizable because they beat him up that night, and they took a half hour to bring him to the emergency room. They meant for him to die that night, but God would have it that Mumia is is alive, off death row, got his hepatitis uh, C treatment after fighting them, going to court and forcing them to do what they're they're uh, uh, they're supposed to do. The uh, uh, excuse me, corrections is supposed to they're supposed to be care, control, and concern for that person. So how do you deny them a medical treatment that would cure the you know cure them? He's also got damage to his liver because it, they took so long in giving him the, the hepatitis C treatment. So he's also got, you know, a potential uh, cancer cancer risk because they took so long in, in giving him um, the hepatitis C uh, medicine. So, yeah, I do believe at this point, even though um, Judge Clemens, who is not really doing what, she claims to be doing in that video. Uh, she claim she knows that that um, the justice system is rigged against poor and oppressed people, particularly black people. Yet at that hearing, she did she did the job of the prosecutor and and believe wholeheartedly what the prosecutor has to say. They even said. Um, that they regularly pay they regularly pay witnesses excuse me you know to for whatever reason they pay them cuz uh, in uh, on the records that we just discovered one of the key witnesses Robert Chobert is asking the prosecutor where's my money and this judge Lucretia Clemens superior court ju- no excuse me supervising judge actually has the nerve to say she believes that that had that had, will have that had no bearing on the outcome. That statement would had no would have no bearing on the outcome of the trial. Is she does she think people are stupid? I'm not the regular person. Any jury who would who would hear that would would buy that 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 um what he said makes any sense that he uh he's asking the prosecutor where's my money. And um, it, it it just doesn't add up. She also um, it's not that she doesn't believe that there was um, blacks were um, struck from the jury, which they made up forty. They make up forty percent of Philadelphia, and he struck the the DA struck seventy one percent of blacks from that from that case. She says that she's saying that there's a time period and Mumia's um, defense in 1995 or 1999 should have brought that that claim about um, striking blacks from the jury. She's saying that, you know, he's run out of time for that claim. So, therefore, she's ready. She's already written the, the um, um, her notes, a 31-page document saying she's potentially going to drop, uh, she's going to um, deny Mumia's appeal. For a new for a new evidentiary hearing that would lead to a new trial, so she's a very dangerous woman. Woman, she's concerned more about her class privilege 
than doing what uh, she's charged to do, which is find out that, which is find out what really happened that night. And the only way you're going to find that out is to have a new trial, because everyone knows that Mumia did not have a fair trial because the original trial judge, Judge Albert Sable, said, "I'm going to help them fry the N word," and he said it in front of another judge, Richard Klein, and a court stenographer, Terry Moore Carter. Who was a stenographer well, we and overheard him say it? We, we definitely need the people power. The people have resolved this. So, sisters, what we're going to do right now? We're going to have to look at panelists and analysts, and they're going to have a they have a question comment. They may like each maybe each one of each one of y'all to respond to. They will direct that sure. question directly either to one of y'all three, sister Impers, sister Jacqueline, and sister Gwen. Okay, brother Haki, you've been listening to the discussion. They're talking about. Mumi Abu, Jamal case and struggle. And um, also, you have heard some interest about upcoming work that they'll be doing at the UN and throughout the world. But anyway, your thoughts, your questions, comments for any of our guests, Brother Haki. Yeah, I, I just want to thank the sisters for their analysis in terms of underscoring the level of corruption and collusion that exists in the American legal justice system. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people believe that, in fact, America has the best legal system in the world. And unfortunately, uh, when you underscore the case of Mumi Abu Jamal, uh, it becomes very, very clear that that's not the case. But in any event, I have a specific question for um, Sister Empress. Uh, of course, the sister alluded to the corrupt judge in terms of her unwillingness, you know, to, to you know, to uh, review the, the case, Mumi's case, favorably. Uh, but more importantly, there's recently there was a district attorney, uh, Krasner, uh, who at least articulated his desire in terms of seeing Mumia get a good, uh, a decent trial, retrial. So essentially, Sister Empress, what happened to uh, Larry Krasner in terms of, uh, I understand the right wing has been after him precipitously, but what is the status of the DA uh, Larry Krasner? Uh, thank you, Brother Hakeem. So um, to jump right into that, question right there. Right now, Larry Krasner, who, of course, is uh, the city of Philadelphia district attorney, he pretty, it, it appears he's going to be impeached. Uh, it has been passed in the legislative bodies here, and uh, it, it's looking pretty bad for him. Now, we don't know if that is a, as a result of several things. Now, note, he could have made a decision himself while he was, you know, pretty prominent or pretty much in place, he could have made a decision himself to make a move to help Mumia, and he did not. Um, but again, and I, and I want to point this out, that one of the reasons why we're able to have uh, this hearing that, that's now getting ready to take place, which again is really the third time, um, the second one was uh, the first time in October it was postponed from the 16th, I think, to something like the 26th. That's when at the 26th, the, re the present judge is saying, well, you need to come back and show me more stuff. Well, keeping in mind what she was shown was from uh, approximately six boxes that was found after all this time filled with information, evidence, and so forth. One of the things that was uh, mentioned earlier by one of the sisters was, in fact, a note that indicated uh, that you know, one of the witnesses was w wondering, "Where's my money?" So, there, so this is some of the information that the lawyers presented 
to in order to get where we're at now. And this judge is still saying this is not enough, even though six boxes were found. Now, again, going back to Larry, Larry Krasner, it was under his watch, or this is, it happened when he became district attorney. Uh, somehow these mysterious six boxes popped up, and in that, there was quite a bit of evidence and information in there that, that kind of conveyed and, and solidified the fact that Mumia was set up. So to fast forward again, so this judge is now playing games. Um, my two sisters, who I love so much, and that's why we work so well together, because as, as they mentioned, uh, you know, one sister Gwen says she doesn't know why certain things, or uh, Sister Jacqueline said that, you know, she she's appealing for their love and all of that. I'm totally different. I don't believe none of that. <laughs> so that's why we all balance each other out. I have no faith in none of them people about nothing, but the one one point that Sister Jacqueline did make that I do get is the woman is a mother. Uh, and so based on that, maybe, maybe she might, that might resonate. That might resonate. But all that other stuff, love and all that, no, I ain't buying none of that. Not for them. Uh, and I could be wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm just giving you my spin on it. But but again, Brother Haki, uh, Larry Krasner is in trouble. He's in serious trouble uh, because the Republican people didn't want him in in the first place. And now the Democrats, his own people, don't want him in. They, they say he's too progressive. Wow. <laughs> no, no we, heard that story we heard that story no before too progressive. A follow, a, 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 listen, you talk about absurdity. I mean, what, what can you say when people express that kind of inane kinds of commentary? What can you say? But my question to the sister, I think Sister Jacqueline, who's the former Catholic, or maybe she's still practicing Catholicism. I am Catholic. Okay, yeah, you are Catholic. Okay, well, one of the things in terms of the, the history of Catholicism, people tend to be very, very conservative. So I got to ask you, sister, what is it uh, about you specifically? That uh, endow you to actually confront some of the um, some of the inequities and some of the problems associated with Catholicism to the point where you're willing to actually take a stand for a so-called alleged murderer. So, what transpired in your life to make you take a stand in terms of politically defending Mumia? Okay, can you hear me? Okay, so yeah. what made me take a stand about Mumia was that. Um, when my husband wanted to marry me, my husband is a divorcee, and they basically told me that we would have to, he would have to get an annulment and that his children would be bastards, okay? I said, excuse me? Who is my husband? My husband is the father of full force, okay? Full force, Grammy Award-winning people. All of a sudden, they're going to have to become bastards because of the Catholic Church? You understand? I got you. Okay, that wasn't going to happen. It was wrong. It was wrong. So we found ourselves a good uh, African-American, uh, what is it, female preacher who was beautiful, didn't put us through any hoops. You understand what I'm saying? No hoops at all. Respected my husband, respected my stepson. Okay? So, I mean, that, that was like the beginning of it. The second thing with the Catholic Church was my father, you're talking about, he was the Catholic of Catholics. He voted. <laughs> he was a deacon of deacons, went to their special program. So this is like one step under being a priest, okay? Then they gave him a psychological test, which he passed. 
with flying colors, and they said there must be something wrong with him to get 100%. Okay, this is a black man who is a college professor, genius-level intelligence, and that's how they, you know, respect him, and after all the respect he gave that fucking church, okay? So, uh, I'm sorry, I know I shouldn't curse, but I'm just angry. I'm fucking angry with them, okay? Fucking angry, and I'm fucking angry with that damn judge. Dare she say she's Catholic, and she says the Beatitudes. Fuck her. Fuck her. You know? Fuck her. Big time. Big time. Don't, don't, okay. don't hold back, sister. But thank you, sisters, very much for your responses. Okay. That's me being a Catholic woman. A black Catholic woman. Okay? More power to black Catholics. Because we really know it okay, comes so, from so, Africa. So, 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 the whole religion comes from Africa. Fucking lying, pathological Catholic church. Fuckers. The man thing, the man thing, shit. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. All right, so we're going to make transition to our next panel and see if he may have any questions or comments for you, Brother Moses. We're going to turn the mic over to you, Brother Moses. The mic is yours. Are you with us, Brother Moses? <laughs> Brother Moses got out of time. Okay, while we wait for Brother Moses, give him the opportunity. Let's move to um, Sister Eleanor. Question, comment, Sister Eleanor. Well, so much for black Catholics, but <laughs> I'm interested in um, um, Muma was born Wesley Cook and uh, was a former member of the Black Panthers. Now he's represented by, is it a Judith Ritter and... Uh, Samuel Spittle. Now, um, I understand, and I don't understand much about law, so maybe you can answer this. Maybe the judge is giving them a way out because she, the two boxes, you mentioned there were um, boxes found in 2018 or several boxes that were withheld during the trial previously. It was is yes. that what you said? Thirty-two. So, um, how many? Thirty-two boxes were withheld, and there's probably wow. more. We know they have more. And that the judge suggested that this information had already been heard in other courts. How was that possible if the boxes, thirty-two boxes, were just found in 2018? What courts? Were they was this information uh, presented, and had there been what actions uh, had had this been presented? And does uh, Judith Ritter intend to? Uh, she can claim a mistrial in December uh, for just the judge's failure to enter these thirty-two boxes. Correct? Or well, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. That's a question. Is there a possibility of a mistrial uh, in December simply because of the judge's failure to allow the admission of the 32 boxes of evidence? No. The answer to that question is no, meaning what's being placed before the judge is some of the information that was found uh, in conjunction to previous information. It is up to her to now make that decision. That's, that's what part of these hearings are about, 
the information, see how we're able to get to where we're at now is the fact that these boxes were found or this information was found. This is how we're even able to get to this point. Now, it is up to her to hear what the, uh, what the lawyers are saying based on findings, etc. She can determine whether or not what they have discovered or found is something that is new, different, or whatever. Because even though those, uh, those previous boxes were not found, that doesn't mean that they didn't contain information, according to her now, I'm, I'm saying according to them. That doesn't mean that those boxes still didn't contain information that was already submitted. You, you see the game here? Um, during the trial, well, um, Ritter uh, suggested tainted evidence. Prosecutors for the case, uh, uh, they claimed that the new evidence was, it was the prosecutors that, my question is, was it the prosecutors that claimed the evidence had already been heard because the judge couldn't claim it unless somebody put it forward? Who, who claimed that the evidence had already been heard? The judge did. Uh, yeah. who, who, who claimed it for the judge uh, agree or to go to su- uh, suggest such a thing? The prosecutor. So, so, so remember, there have been previous hearings prior to now. So there was uh, times where the prosecutor did, in fact provide their their side of it but also keep in mind that uh, that some of this information is also re- it's filed so the judge has to read different things that the prosecution has submitted because see they have to submit documentation or rebuttals or what have you so so keep in mind there's been like two or three I don't remember exactly how many other hearings Bottom line, Hello? can you hear me? Yes, we can. We Hello? can hear you. Yes, okay, we can hear the you. Bottom li- okay, great. The bottom line is the judge is not interested in uh, providing Mumia with uh, an evidentiary hearing, um, So, and which would also lead to a... To a new to a new trial. She's not interested in that. She's taking. She's she's advocating for for the. She's believing all the what the prosecution has to say rather than looking at the whole picture and giving Maria the opportunity for him to uh, for them to argue the issue and to speak with the with Robert Chow because he's he's alive and well. And he can tell us, well, what did you mean by um, where is my money? Were you were you actually paid a stipend, or what happened? And he was also um, given favorable um, favorable treatment in re- in, re- in regard to his pending legal legal matters, which was dropped. Uh, what you know? We need to hear what does that mean? Did we you know? We have evidence. They have pictures. Showing you not at the scene, so you know can I what question. What do you Gwen, mean? Can I ask a question? Yes, go ahead. 
Okay, so my I'm whole here. thing is that um, this judge is elected, okay? And just like all lawyers, she had to pass the bar, okay? Just like my mother, okay? So um, why why isn't this being brought up in front of the Pennsylvania Bar Association, okay? Because it just seems like that uh, these so-called judges are able to get away with things. Why aren't we going after them? If she allows this to happen, why is she allowed to stay in office or in her position as a judge? That's a good question. I guess she would have to some with judges it also I don't think it you have it has to be a thing where you um like a like if she stole somebody's money. Mhm. That's that's you know, obviously she would have to be uh, and and that person wanted to to sanction her, she could go to the bar association and they would they would definitely have to do um a you know, an investigation, but because this is a criminal this is a criminal matter, and these people are endowed with a lot of power. There's really not much. She's going by the law. And like Ralph Pointer always says, the law is what they say it is at the time. So she okay. is legally within her. She is let going me, by the finish. law. Okay. Mm-hmm. She is Sorry. going by she's going by precedent that Mumia, yeah. the evidence that we have is time barred. There's a limit. You know, there's always a limit about what how much uh what you can you know, what you can file at a certain time. There's a limit on how much evidence can be admitted into the record because did you get it was it submitted on time? Well, obviously this this new information about um jury um, selection, keeping blacks off the jury, and this statement about this so-called witness, we didn't know it at the time. So for her, you know, to say, well, it's not time, it's, not, it's, it's a time bar issue, she's missing the point about the, it's the merit of the case. She's, she's not interested in hearing what we have to basically say. She wants Mumia's attorneys, I guess, to pull a rabbit out of the hat and find some kind of pencil, Pennsylvania law, because she said yes. it, it hid the rebuttal, their uh, appeal has to focus on Pennsylvania law regarding okay. um, the new evidence. So they had a tough, you know, a tough, uh, I guess, road to climb to figure out, to you know, they had to dig, well, me as lawyers I'm talking about, had to dig in deep to find some kind of Pennsylvania law that would allow this judge to see that it is timely. And we, Mumia's lawyers didn't have that information uh, previously, so therefore they couldn't have litigated it. You can't litigate something that you don't know. or you And, and, and they hid the evidence. So it's, you know, like, it's, like they said, it's, you know, it's what they, the law is at the time, and they have every, every um, uh, avenue to deny Mumia, you know, what is rightfully his, which is definitely a new trial. They know Mumia got a raw deal. She knows that. She's not stupid. She knows what goes on in 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 um in these cases, and and she very well knows uh, Mumia. Uh, excuse me, uh, Judge Jabel, uh Albert Sable's history of racism, sexism, and homophobic. So you know that's very well you know no, noted and documented. And he never denied it. 
the man never denied it. So, um, you know, hopefully okay, I didn't sisters, get to we're have to do the appeal. We're going to have to take, we're going to take one more question from one of our panelists, Brother Anthony. Then we're going to have to go to the station break. Hi, right, Brother Anthony. Any comments or questions to our sisters as it relates to Mamiya case? Uh, yes. Uh, I have a comment uh, based on what I've heard to this point. It seems okay. like uh, the the judge that's uh, making this decision on whether to grant uh, Mumia a new trial is biased. And, uh, and uh, you know, and uh, it, it, it seems that there is a uh, little recourse that uh, that the uh, lawyers for Mamiya have, unfortunately, uh, based upon uh, Pennsylvania law. And, uh, you know, and it's uh, rather unfortunate uh, because he spent about 40-something years in prison for something he did not commit. All right, thank you, Brother Andrew, for your comment. And at this point in time, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we will continue with the discussion, and we want to ask our guest today to speak to some of the things that are doing in terms of trying to get the people to come forward to help build this case in support of Mamiya and get it up there again from Sister Empress in terms of some of her upcoming projects and how people can support it. Um, Brother Africa, you listen to Africa on the Move, and we'll be right back. Dividends and decibels. Fuck these citizens. 
They'll treat us like hooligans. Throw him in, they don't care what school he in. These people don't play fair. It ain't even fair at the state fair. Give a young nigga gray hair, that's why I'm here. Make your ass lay there. You better stay there. Close your fucking eyes like a daycare. Make myself clearer than Shakespeare. I'm here to take money, even fake hair. So desperate is what I'm left with. For the record, you affected. Who you elected is so skeptic. So full of shit, I can't accept it. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I reside on the west side. I murder with my third eye. Nigga so fly, get a bird's eye. I make him scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. Yeah. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. Damn. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. Yeah. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Yeah. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Chains living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know. I must be strong to last through my journey, yeah, to last through my journey, yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. Must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it through. My journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Hello Reno. 
a bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino! You can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino is the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. When the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. I'm your host, Brother Africa. We'd like to do a couple of announcements and a little bit of house cleaning before we continue our discussion as we're talking about um, what's going on with the case of our brother Mumia Abu Jamal. We just would like to remind everyone that on this day in 1977, the United, the United, United Nations voted first unanimous arms boycott of South Africa, Azania. Yes, that happened in 1977, November the 4th. Also, we want to remind everyone that if you haven't already joined yet, please make sure you contact the African Awareness Association as we join with them as they go on their annual Freedom Travel Trip 
Freedom Ride to Cuba from January the 23rd to the 30th, 2023. Please email them at Association 2 at gmail.com or you can call 804-549-7492 or 202-714-9435. We'll talk a little bit more about this upcoming trip uh, later on during this program. So at this point in time, what we'd like to do, we'd like to continue the discussion with our sister Empress Gwen and Jacqueline as they talk about the case of Mamiya as well as what's going on with the Million Women Marching Movement. So right now what we're going to do, we got about 15 minutes left for this particular um, subject, and we're going to ask Sister Empress if she can take this time, a few minutes, to tell us particularly some of the programs and projects that's going on with MWM and how the people can support it. So for the next five minutes, Sister Empress, we're going to give you the mic. The mic is yours, Sister Empress. Are you there, Sister Empress? All right. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay, great. Okay, so, um, again, this coming Saturday, which is International Human Rights Day, we will enact uh, one of several campaigns. And, of course, this one is geared specifically to bringing greater attention to the um, issues around COINTELPRO, which, of course, does include our political prisoners. Uh, the other issues that we're going to focus on that day is uh, the justice for black veterans as well as justice for black farmers. Uh, again, there are 21 areas of genocide that we've cited. And so we're going to be uh, dealing with a few of those on Saturday. Again, COINTELPRO, Justice for Black Farmers, Justice for uh, Our Black Veterans. And, and also, we're raising the question to, to you, family, what are your thoughts about um, the, the, the student forgiveness or whatever it's called? Uh, we, that was one of our platform issues before it became popular, meaning you know, our demand for reparatory justice is also that all student, all black student loan debt needs to be rescinded. We didn't say forgiven. We said rescinded. Uh, before other people get, and this was, again, we, we didn't see this coming at the time, but this was our position for the past five years. Um, and we're saying now, and we are encouraging our parents in particular and our students to say something. Don't just sit back and let this happen, meaning how on earth does other people get student loan forgiveness or, you know, whatever, and not our students first. Our students, the descendants of our students, put in blood, sweat, and tears, not everybody else. And so for our students in the first place to have to pay tuition the same amount that others do when it wasn't their ancestors that, that were enslaved, uh, that right in itself is questionable. But definitely no one should be getting any kind of student loan forgiveness or anything even close to that before our students, our parents, our families. So that, that's just a sidebar, but that's one of the other issues that we're bringing forward uh, since it's one of the things that's hot in the news today. Um, the other concerns, of course, is the 13th Amendment. That's one of our um, issues because keeping in mind, slavery is, in fact, still legal under the 13th Amendment. 
And so that needs to be abolished. So, again, Saturday, we'll start at 12 o'clock noon, and it'll be a rally. We will hear some of the letters from some of the young adults, from the children uh, that will be coming. And, again, we encourage others to support, particularly the children, the the young adults coming. Uh, Funds are needed to to help uh, curtail costs for them coming and being uh, in uh, New York and so forth uh, for a few days. And so I'd like to give out that information, if I can, Brother Africa, where they can send uh, whatever donations that you have is greatly appreciated. It goes directly to the center. Uh, if you're using PayPal, you just go to PayPal and put in, uh, uh, once you get to the PayPal site, you put in Elaine Legacy Center. Again, Elaine Legacy Center. Uh, and it'll go directly to the group that is sponsoring or bringing the children, the young adults. Uh, If you want to write a check, you can also do that as well, and that too would be addressed to Elaine Legacy Center. And uh, I have to find the address for you, and I'll do that before we close out. But but that's the key thing that is really needed for right now to uh, assist in, in the children being able to come. Well, they're definitely coming, but we just need additional funds to just help secure some other things for them. Thank you, Sister Empress. Sister Jacqueline, any additional information you'd like to share with our listening audience concerning the meal and uh, how can they get in touch with you if they would like to have you and sure. your group to come to their community? And sure. To, um, uh, I'd like, I basically... Uh, run the Mumia Health Committee, and what that basically means is there are about 12 of us, and Sister Julia Wright is the founder of it, and uh, Dr. Ricardo Alvarez is one of our major doctors, and we have a few other doctors on there also, Mark Taylor, um, uh, Dr. Uh, Joy James, and so on. Uh, What we are interested in are people who would be interested in being part of our committee. What we do is we are basically known for letters, writing letters, and relationships. We write to the prison. We write to whomever we need to. We now have what we call town hall meetings. Uh, We had Jalil Montesquim. We also had in November Laura Whitehorn. And we learned from these uh, new, these released political prisoners on how it guides us how we will deal in the future with Mumia's case and others like him. Please contact us at Mumia Health Committee. That's Mumia Health Committee at gmail.com. The Mumia Health Committee is also helping to deal with bringing the puppet to various locations, including what we're uh, going to be doing at the UN on Saturday. So we say all of this costs money. Any kind of donations you'd like to give helps everything from the maintenance to the housing of it to everything else so that we can continue to bring this giant puppet to as many events as possible. We've already been to close to about eight different uh, rallies and demonstrations all over, from Philadelphia to, to uh, New York and so on and so forth. 
Okay. Um, the other thing I was going to say is please don't hesitate to write the governor, the outgoing governor of Pennsylvania, and the new governor of Pennsylvania about this particular case. And get your friends and your family to also write about it. Let them know that this is on our radar. Don't back down. Really, don't back down. I also would suggest that you write to the judge. Now, I know that the group Love Not Fear, um, Jamal Hart, who is Mumia's grandson, is going to be delivering some letters to the judge, judge's chamber. So perhaps you can go through that means to love not fear, I believe, at gmail.com. Or if you don't want to go through that, do it on your own. To do whatever you need to do to get the message through to this woman that she needs to do the right thing immediately. Um, final thing is, who else is there? Oh, please don't forget to write to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, Okay. Please write to them because that documentary is atrocious, and I don't believe they really know Momia and what the situation is about. And if she is such a devout Catholic as she says she is, then it would be wonderful if the Catholic Church got behind this and then made her think twice about what she's doing since she's such a devout Catholic with the Beatitudes and bullshit. But we're not going to go there right now. Um, so those are the things that I'm saying. Um, we love all of you. We are all inclusive. If you're an ally with us, we're an ally with you. We're trying to get Mumia and all other political prisoners out. Understand that, out. We will be interviewing uh, Senator Street on Tuesday about the bill, SB 835, Compassionate Release. Please write to Senator Street. Please do not hold back and write to Senator Street and ask him, how can Mumia Abu-Jamal and other prisoners like him be included in that particular bill? We're not talking about end of life. We're talking about now, okay, now, right now, okay? Put pressure on these elected officials. Without you, they would not be, understand that, demand from them. Final thing is this. Um, I was in the chamber. I was not in the judge's chamber. But I sat in the hearing, as I said, and one thing that the judge demanded was that uh, Mumia's lawyers find uh, cases in New York, in, excuse me, Pennsylvania State, based on um, Pennsylvania law. Well, um, yes, that's one way of doing things, but it wasn't wrong what they did by bringing in examples from all over. You understand? Okay, so. Um, I hope all of you will become very aware of the case. Whatever the turnout is, become aware. And if it doesn't turn out the way we need it to turn out, please, 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 go after that judge's license. Please, okay, write to the Bar Association. Have a major investigation on her and anyone else, really. Okay, do not sit back. Do not sit back. You are a powerful, you are all powerful beings. And if we all unite, we become an army of a huge, full force of people that make the change. Without you, it can't happen. If we say nothing and do nothing, she will always be able to get ahead. 
Dells will get ahead. The governors will get ahead. We need to really become proactive and see our power. See your power. Get Mumia out. That's all I'm going to say. Get him out. It's the power of the people. It's going to get him out. And when the 16th comes, show up. Show up. Okay? There shouldn't be like 100 people. There should be at least, at least 10,000 or 20,000 people outside that courthouse demanding his freedom, demanding, and there should be press from all over the world to let them know that we are not playing. And if it doesn't go our way, let the street and the people explode, because you do not have to accept this. Explode. Have a nice evening. Thank you, Mrs. Next, we're going to be Sister Gwen. You'll find it us, Sister Gwen. Uh, we will be. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hello? Okay. Yes, we can. We can uh, hear we you. Be, yeah, we will be having an online event on the anniversary of the frame-up on December 9th. And you can go to Linktree, uh, yeah, Linktree slash Mumia to reserve your spot and register. Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Mumia. Link tr dot ee slash mumia and mumia is spelled m u m i a m u m i a because I I realize most people don't know how to spell his name unless you've been you know involved with the case and and um now, you know what a bit of good news I can tell you this I keep forgetting mumia's um, papers were deposited at Brown uh, University, um, and they will be on um, able to be reviewed after they are archived, I believe, next year. So uh, mm. Brown University uh, had the, um, the courage and the interest in securing uh, Mumia's uh, papers. So, um, I mean, Mumi is not, you know, Mumi is not going to go anywhere anytime soon, but at least, you know, what he had to say will be, will be preserved in the manner that it, that it, that it should be. Also, Johanna Fernandez's papers will be, will be there as well at Brown University. Um, so that is a bit of, um, of, of, you know, good news, uh, for him and, um, and the world, if they want us to be able to study what Mumia had to say about incarceration, so people should should uh, should be aware of that. But yes, we will be having a um, an event and to remember what happened to Mumia. But it's going to be focused on uh, other political prisoners as well. Linda Peltier. There'll be a representative speaking about Linda Peltier's case. Um, as well as Kamal Siddiqui, uh, Veronza Bowers, Ed Poindexter, and Imam Jamil Alamin, and I believe Brian Arroyo also. Um, he's in the same penitentiary as Mumia is currently, and he was given um, life in prison for the death of, uh, of a child uh, in his care. And he's known Mumia for quite some time, and he's quite brilliant. Um, 
himself. And that event actually on Friday, the ninth, will start at seven. Will will start at seven p.m. and you can go to like I said, Linktree slash Mumia Link Tr dot ee slash uh slash Mumia M U M I A and we will be there um at the UN to support uh Empress Filet and um Jackie's uh poet um puppet, excuse me. So yeah, so for those who can make it out to New York, um at the NU at the UN please um show support because it's more it's more than about Mumia. I mean this is you know, when they're going after Mumia, they're going after us. It's really about killing any thought of being thinking differently. That's why they're after Mumia. They know that he didn't do that he's not uh, guilty of this crime. They're going after him because he's a veteran Black Panther, a revolutionary, which is you dare not speak about the awful things that go on in this, in this country and that, you know, the police are sacrosanct, and they shouldn't be because they, you know, they do a lot of um, criminal activity. They kill a 1,000 people every year. You know, and most of them so are black, so unarmed so people. Before, before you leave, y'all leave, can y'all quickly speak a little bit to the international, international community about this injustice against political prisons in, in the United States and the same issue of political prisons internationally as it relates to U.S. capitalist, you know, imperialist policies globally? Well, what I what I can say about that is that Mumia has international support from Germany, um, uh, um, France has named the street after him, and Congress. <laughs> they had the nerve <laughs> to demand that they that um, that they rescind that, and and um, the people in Saint Denis said, you know, go f yourself. We we love Mumia. We believe in his innocence. Um, and the sign is going to stay exactly where it's at. Um, yeah, they 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 went as far as passing a, a resolution against Saint Denis for naming a street after after Mumia. You know, they're so idiotic. Like they don't have bigger things, bigger fish to fry. Yeah, but Mumia uh, and Leonard Peltier, they all he enjoys uh, international um, support. And the good news about Leonard, I can tell you this, six uh, senators um, have come out in support and encouraging uh, President Biden to grant clemency um, to Leonard Peltier. The man is 78 years old and has spent uh, about 45 years in prison. He's in very poor health. His health is worse than Lumia's. I believe is in a wheelchair. He has diabetes, and um, he um, he has a, some like an aneurysm issue. Um, he has a lot of health issues, and he spent you know quite a number of years in them. He's seventy eight years old. He's an old man, and he was a, accused and convicted of killing two FBI agents. And Clinton was supposed to grant him. Clemency, but he chickened out because of the the uh, the strong um, 
FBI, um, you know, opposition for him to gain release. But, um, yeah, and also a former prosecutor. The former prosecutor in the case supports Mumia, excuse me, supports Leonard's case uh, for clemency. And he believes uh, that Leonard did not kill those uh, two FBI agents. This is a former prosecutor, so a lot of pressure is on Biden to do the right thing um, before the new year, and I believe um, they're going to set. Uh, Biden is eventually going to come come to his senses, um, even though he's 80 years old, um, and he. I, I believe that's going to happen because there's just a lot of pressure on him to do the right thing, and the United States generally. What they do, they punish countries who think differently, who want to go a different route, like Venezuela is still under sanctions, because they want to go a different route. They want to take care of the people's needs. They don't. It's not about you know uh, capitalism and it's um, you know sucking every drop of oil you know out of the out of the ground. So a, a few few people can become rich and the planet suffers. They have a Cuba has a they have a different mentality. That's why um, uh, Cuba has is still under sanctions because they believe in socialism and and meeting the needs of the many instead of the the needs of the few. It's it's a different you know mentality. They have free education, free healthcare. We don't have that. We should is the taxes that we pay. So, um, yeah, Mumia is and our political prisoners, they're a treasure because they had the audacity to think to think differently and to stand up for um, oppressed people, black people specifically. And that's why they went after them. And All thank right. you for thank having us on. Thank you, my sister. Sister Epis, we can come back to you for you make those uh, closing remarks. We can remind you that also maybe speak a little bit to the program where you ask the sisters from around the world to join in with you as you do this program dealing with women issues. So your final statement, Sister Epis, the mic is yours. Before I give you updates on MWM, I just want to remind people, again, uh, Sister mentioned to write to the judge. Again, her name is Lucretia Clemens, uh, room 80Q, Court of Common Pleas of Philadelphia, and the address is 1301 Filbert Street, uh, Philadelphia, PA, 19105. Uh, if you didn't get any of that, uh, feel free to email us at nationalmwm at aol.com, or you can just go online to Philadelphia uh, Court of Common Pleas, and you can put in Lucretia Clemens is the judge's name. Uh, you'll get the information there as well. Uh, also, again, for contributions to go for the young adults that will be coming, that can be sent uh, via PayPal to Elaine Legacy Center. Again, Elaine Legacy Center. Uh, if you want to send a check, you do the same. Again, Elaine Legacy Center, P.O. Box 42, 
Elaine, Arkansas, 72333. Um, in regards to uh, what's going on with MWM, of course, we launched our 25-year anniversary commemoration this past October 25th. We have been servicing and fighting and building for 25 straight years without a grant, without corporate sponsoring. Uh, that was it has been very difficult to do, but, but that was the mission that was given to us on an ancestral level, and we've done it. Now, after two decades, we go to the next level in bringing forward the fourth, first global movement for women and girls of African descent, which was always the intention. It was never about just a day. Now we're connecting with sisters globally and in doing that, addressing many of the issues that specifically affect our women and girls, but, but also, of course, we never separate our work from our families and communities. So simultaneously, we are dealing with the issues of gender violence and abuse, the education of our women, business development, but also other issues that's relevant to our people, our families, the communities, health, uh, and other kinds of things. So 2023, we come forward with the Million Woman World March. Uh, and we've been meeting now for the past month, getting ready for that. Today we had sisters uh, from Cameroon. We've had folks from Ghana, Nigeria, Trinidad, Tobago. And uh, now we're going to be moving forward even more so uh, as I go on a national tour starting in January. We'll be going, of course, throughout the U.S., establishing our movement and also furthering uh, the establishment of our international connection. So essentially there will be uh, the Million Women World, World March will take place in 2023. So far we have three continents that this will be happening at simultaneously in October of 2023. And then in the U.S., There'll be a major location, but there'll be kinds of events, satellite events going on in every region. And so uh, as we proceed, we'll certainly keep the family here at uh, Africa on the Move on the update. But if you wish to make a donation, we certainly appreciate that. Again, we've never had a grant, never had corporate sponsoring. Uh, there's not a black women's organization uh, that functions on a national and international level in as many cities and states as we do uh, that, that can say that and that is totally African-centered. Uh, our cash app is dollar sign H-O-T-1111. Again, dollar sign H-O-T-1111. And our PayPal is nbhrproject at gmail.com. Again, nbhrproject at gmail.com, and that's for our National Black Human Rights Project. And we'd like to thank you, Sister Empress, Sister Jacqueline, and Sister Gwen for coming forward today and sharing with us what's going on in your world and your community and the update on the Mamiya movement. So until next time, you can always reach out to us on Sundays at 7 p.m. from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, please spread the word. The African Moon is here for our communities. 
So right now, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick um, culture revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we're going to finish out this segment on what's going on in our community and the world with the rest of our panelists, and we'll close out with our final thoughts. This is Brother Africa. This is Africa on the Moon, and when we come back, uh, we will talk a little bit with our panelists, what's going on in our world community, and make a few announcements, and uh, we'll be closing out. We'll be right back. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries. Their freedom almost gone. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race and creed. We need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine Palestine needs her freedom.
everything I go through and everything I am. He's my support system. I can't live without him. The best thing since sliced bread is his kiss, his hug, his lips, his touch. And I just want the whole world to know about my black brother. I love you and I'll never try to hurt you. I want you to know that. First and foremost, we'd like to make a quick, a few quick announcements and remind everyone to join us in the African Awareness Association as they take their feet ride trip, educational travel challenge to Cuba from 
January 23rd to the 30th, 2023. And for a few minutes on why we're doing this trip, we're going to bring in Brother Haki. Brother Haki, can you speak a few minutes on why it's important we ask the African community to support this noble cause, showing our solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Cuba, with the African Women Association. Brother Haki. Yes, sir. Well, essentially, we, we, we ask the community, you know, to support this trip to, to Cuba simply because it's, the reality is it's in our best interest to support such a program. Um, you know, we're under t- tremendous amount of strain. Uh, the uh, inequities in the society are growing leaps and bounds. The difference between those who have and don't have is exploding. The question is for us in terms of, you know, what are we doing with a system which was diametrically opposed to the interests of, of people based upon skin color, and what do we do in the context of that reality? So Cuba also has an example in terms of possibilities, in terms of what we can actually do in terms of being able to uh, withstand, you know, these kind of um, uh, inequity, in, inequities that are coming our way. Uh, clearly, uh, when we talk about Cuba in terms of the, the role it has in terms of uh, facilitating humanity, Cuba's outstanding in that regard. Um, certainly, you know, one of the things in the context of America we talk about individual rights superseding all other rights is refreshing to know that there are states like Cuba that stresses the importance of the group as opposed to the individual. So in that context, uh, we can learn a lot in terms of in terms of, you know, what Cuba is all about. But more importantly, to actually go there and to see for yourself, you know, the benefits of having such a system in place in terms of how it impacts uh, impacts the people in terms of they interact with one another, the way they work with one another, uh, the way they support one another. So clearly, there's something to be had in terms of the greatness of the Cuban system, and we encourage people to go there and see for themselves firsthand, you know, how Cuba is, Cuba is, in fact, a beacon on the hill. So we encourage people to go to Cuba, see for themselves firsthand, you know, have any, if they have any questions relating to uh, issues uh, pertaining to geopolitics, uh, what's going on, you know, in Cuba, what's going on in the world, the Cuban people are uniquely qualified to discuss all those things of international nature because the education system is such a, is such a strong uh, component in terms of the Cuban life. And so, therefore, the people are in, a, in a, a very good position to actually to articulate you know, their concerns in terms of what they see as problematic or things that have to be addressed when it comes to the needs of humanity. So we encourage people to go to Cuba to see for themselves firsthand the greatness that is Cuba. And for more information, you can email them at African Awareness Association Two at gmail dot com dot com, or you can call eight zero four five four nine seven four nine two or two zero two seven one four nine four three five. African Awareness Association has been organizing these freedom rides for over twenty five years to Cuba. So uh, bring in your New Year by doing something special. I'm making that trip. It's a life changer. Also, in terms of any announcements, we're going to go to the D.C. Metro Coalition in defense of the Cuban Revolution. Ask Brother Moses and Sister Eleanor, are there any announcements or updates that you would like to make? Brother Moses and Sister Eleanor. I don't have any announcements as of this moment. Uh, we're still in the planning stages. Uh, uh, I will keep you abreast. As I find out. Okay, thank you, Brother Moses and Sister Eleanor. Anything you'd like to add to that? Uh, ditto. We will keep you abreast of upcoming events. Thank you. 
And Brother Anthony, briefly speak a little bit about your organization. Anything that's going on in your organization that the public need to know, need to know about the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party GC. Are uh, you with me, Brother Anthony? While we wait for Brother Anthony, what we're going to do at this point in time is that we're going to continue the discussion that I raised earlier at the beginning of this program around the issue of what's going on in our world community. And it's a question around uh, the Virginia governor is putting in some kind of new legislation where there will be no teaching of the history of Martin Luther King and the so-called civil rights movement from the grade level K through five or the fifth grade. Brother Haki gave him his response on, you know, the implication of that. We'd like to hear the other response on that. We'll go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what is your response to this old question coming up with new laws and no longer want to teach any civic or history as relates to the history of my Luther King is the right movement. Your response from K to five. Okay, we still have a problem with Brother Anthony. Let's go to Sister Eleanor. Your response, Sister Eleanor. Well, first of all, kids don't learn civics in, in those grades. What they do learn are about national holidays. But what we see is uh, really the expansion of fascism and uh, uh, the elimination of freedom of speech, because children learn about um, uh, Arbor Day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. So the only way that could be stopped is that we will no longer discuss his holidays in school. Now, we remember this is an old argument under the U.S. imperialism in that Arizona uh, refused to recognize the King holiday for years until the federal government threatened to cut off all federal funding to Arizona. So now we hear Yunkin, who ran uh, his campaign, was a neo-fascist campaign, run on key phrases, uh, you know, uh, simple sentences similar to Hitler. Uh, during the uh, fascist period of the world in the early 20th century. So this is not about teaching uh, civics, because that's not a subject children one through six learn uh, in school. Again, they learn the Pledge of Allegiance. They learn the national anthem. You know, <laughs> they learn the flags of the states, the capitals of the states in the fifth grade. Elementary school is a place where you learn reading, writing, the alphabet. First, you start off with the alphabet. Second, you start off with learning to recognize your name. <laughs> and as you move along, as I said, you learn the holidays. So I, I think this is outrageous, and it takes advantage of parents who are so ignorant of what's going on with their children's education. Um, and we don't have a standardized curriculum in this country. That is true. But we do have standardized education. And uh, it, it covers those subjects that I mentioned. I don't know of any children that are learning 
American history. You know, we have to deal with education as we deal with human development and cognition. You know, we aren't cognitive at such an early age. I don't know, Sister Eleanor, about you. Uh, when I was going through this process, we had civic history on all levels. So uh, maybe things may have changed, but... Um, they teach I don't know, Brother Africa. I was an educator, and they didn't, weren't teaching it, so I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't say they're not teaching it. You don't have a book called Civics. Uh, uh, you got a hell of an education. If you have a through grades K to 5, something called Civics or World History or U.S. History. Okay, but no problem. Let's move to Brother Moses. See his response. Brother Moses, your response to this phenomenon. You know, I think um, um, Sister Eleanor is more qualified in this in this area. Um, being an educator and uh, having hands-on experience with uh, elementary schools system, et cetera, uh, um, I I uh, um, think that you know the the, the education. Um, Sounds reasonable as, as way, the way she explained it, and uh, I'm not going to try to uh, do any more analysis of it than that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, panelists, um, we come to the end of our time. This was part three of news you can use, and we still had some other items we want to discuss. So we're going to extend this to a fourth and final part for next week. But meanwhile, for the night. We can ask each one of you and our participant uh, to see on to give their final thoughts for the night, and we will start off right now with you, Brother Moses. Your final thoughts for the night. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, it's been an interesting. Uh, I'm glad we were able to to get the sisters on and uh, and the Million Women's March, etc. I think you know that uh, that you know we have to continue to uh, to read and study and uh, and grasp what's going on around us uh, as best possible. Um, I know Trump Trump this week uh, uh, decided he was to suspend the Constitution unquote. Uh, so we live in some some uh, uh, real outrageous times, uh, and he's he's given up all all semblance of democracy of uh, of a legal based system into a to his, his total dictatorship. Anyway, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you, Brother Moses, and you do the same. Next, we'll go to. Sister Eleanor, your final thoughts for tonight. Well, I want to thank you for another wonderful show. And we learned tonight that there was a, 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 that uh, uh, Abu Amuja Abu, Abu Jamal's uh, trial was tainted by judicial bias and police uh, and prosecutorial mis prosecutional misconduct, including withholding of evidence and 
bribing or co- uh, coercing witnesses to lie. Now, this was a phenomenal show that we should learn this this evening. And uh, um, all of this came out apparently uh, with these wonderful guests. So I'd like to thank you, Brother Africa, and your panelists and your guests for, you know, letting the public know just what's happening. Uh, that Muma Abu Jamal, a former Black Panther, author of 12 books, uh, is uh, a political prisoner in the United States and making it clear and articulate uh, uh, the conditions under which uh, this can be legitimized. Again, the uh, judicial bias, police, and uh, prosecutional uh, misconduct, including withholding of evidence and uh, bribing or uh, cursing uh, witness and a witness that, uh, as the as the speaker said, had been completely um, his case was completely dismissed. Uh, it's just phenomenal. And uh, the judge, what my question was, and and the other thing is goes back to the Million Woman March is I always talk about one billion standing, and the one billion standing are women and girls on planet Earth today, as well as Mother Earth herself. They stand in unity with protecting Mother Earth from these uh, corporate and social environmental hazards, as well as gender and and, uh, racial misogynist conduct, um, whether it be against the, uh, the, the, any community, and that um, this is a, a very, very important subject, and uh, I'm glad that it continues to be examined on Africa on the move, because right now, I don't think uh, the issue of women and children's rights are at the forefront in our country as they should be. And not only do we have starving children, but we also, unfortunately, have children being highly sexualized due to their uh, appearance, and it's, 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 it's an outrage. So thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this forum. And uh, I uh, thank our listeners both here and abroad for tuning in. And uh, I love your comments and, and I love your guests. And thank you so much and have a very good evening. We thank you, Sister Avenue. You have also a very good evening. We thank you. Let's see if we can still get Brother Anthony trying one more time. Brother Anthony, are you there? Yes, I am. Yes, can you give us your final thoughts for tonight, Brother Anthony? Yes. Uh, In light of, uh, you know, the imperialist offensive that's going on, uh, uh, our community is being attacked 
once again every way possible. And we must get organized. Uh, it sounds old, but it is the ultimate solution. We're, we're fighting against a well-organized enemy, so we must uh, get better organized politically. And uh, we must share this information as much as possible among our people. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And how do you find out more about your organization? Certainly. Uh, you, you can find out more about the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And uh, mm-hmm. you can find out more about our political program, our political line, and history, the history of Pan-Africanism. Thank you, Brother Anthony, and good night to you. And last but not least, our Brother Haki from the African Awareness Association. You'll find the thoughts, Brother Haki. Well, Brother Africa, there is an interesting paradox uh, taking place in society, and it's important that we discuss that. Uh, one of the things that's peculiar in terms of capitalism, one of the things you have to have in capitalism, money has to flow through the system. Uh, to give you an example, uh, recently, as recent as two years ago, remember the rent relief program and the paycheck protection program? Well, the rent relief program was all about um, providing money to renters to ensure that they could keep a place to stay. Because the, the because the economy essentially has shut down as a result of COVID. Now the Paycheck Protection Program was money given to businesses to ensure that their business continued to run. And in that context, a lot of uh, um, a lot of landlords who had run large properties were had access to that money. So the bottom line is that having access to all this money, four trillion dollars, in fact, made it possible for this system to run relatively smoothly. In fact, without the four trillion dollars expenditures, you know, uh, into the system. Capitalism would have collapsed, you know, two years ago. So the bottom line is that you got to have a, a flow of capital, you know, through the system in order for capitalism to exist. Now, here's the irony. Now, those the, those programs are expiring, uh, particularly uh, when we talk about the very heinous impact. We got to look at the rent relief program in terms of, you know, uh, renters who, you know, who do no, no fault of their own you know, weren't able to pay their rent some because of COVID-19 and all the business effectively shut down. Well, that program is, is, is ending in most places in the country. And, and what it means is that exponentially it's going to impact uh, the, the level of homelessness uh, in the society. And one of the things is we're very, very clear on, that when we talk about homelessness, you know, the government doesn't have a vested interest, at least certainly not in the current context, in terms of preventing homelessness. And see, now what it is is all about capitalizing on profit. And so we have a perfect atmosphere in which businesses make tons and tons of money at the expense of all other concerns. And so the needs of the people simply don't get addressed, but the, and as a result, the homelessness increases. And when we talk about homelessness, here's the thing, the impact on the children. And here's the thing I think the community has to concern itself with, because when we talk about homelessness, you know, you know, you know expanding, and particularly uh, when it comes to children, one of the things in terms of being all you can be as a child to grow up you know, in terms of, you know, becoming successful, quote-unquote successful, one of the things that the, the, the opportunity or the, or the chance to self-actualize self is very, very important. 
self-actualize, if, if, if you remember Durkheim's uh, 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 concepts, so you go through certain stages in terms of your development, in terms of certain things you have to have, like food, security, safety, so forth and so on. So depending on where you are in terms of uh, having access to food security, those kind of things, it's determined to a large extent shape what kind of human being you become. So when you have a talk about a situation of homelessness and kids on a very on a very basic level don't have access to, to, to shelter, it has a very devastating impact on not only the future of those children, but also impact a very negative impact on the community. And so when we talk about the flow of money through the system, essentially what we're saying is that by giving you those programs, you're actually decreasing or you're actually eliminating the flow of money through capital, through capitalism. And when you eliminate that money through capitalism, all those things that people need vis-a-vis housing, education, uh, uh, shelter, uh, you know, uh, jobs, all those things that people need in terms of becoming truly self-actualized disappears. And uh, so the problem is for, for people in, in you know, impressed communities, particularly working-class people, the problem is what are we going to do in the context of this, this, this reality? And uh, so I, I don't think any amount of just turning the other cheek is going to quite, quite cut it. I think we have to confront this reality, and we have to seriously think about what are we going to do in terms of addressing these issues. Uh, if we resort to individualism, as the opposition is that I don't care, I only care about my child, I don't care about other children. If that is your position, then one thing you fundamentally have to understand is your child cannot exist in isolation with other children. In other words, what other children experience is going to impact your child. So we have a vested interest in making sure this issue gets addressed. It's going to take a lot of thought. It's going to take a, a, a shift in terms of value systems um, because I know a lot of us are, in fact, individualistic. And we've been grew, we grew up on this capitalist ethos that says, I don't give a damn about anybody else. It's all about me. You know, it's just me. I don't care about anybody else. So we grew up with that ethos, and so we tend to think that when it happens to other people's children, it's not our concern. We have to fundamentally reject that ethos or that belief that, in fact, that, you know, that this individual pursuit in life is the way to go in terms of, you know, being, being truly healthy, truly happy, 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 and truly prosperous people. So we have the struggle we have to go, to, go through. But in, in closing with Africa, I always tell people, you know, we have to unravel the matrix. We have to. The bottom line is that when we talk about the kind of pernicious planning that takes place and we talk about the, 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 uh, the very uh, pernicious mindset of individuals and positions of power who facilitate all kinds of systems specifically with the intent to deceive, to trick, uh, we have to understand that these people, these systems, in fact, do exist. And the question is, do we understand these people? Do we understand the systems that they represent, the systems that they innovate? If we don't understand who these people are, the systems that they innovate, then we, if we, are, we can reasonably begin to unravel uh, the, 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 the conditions that we have, to, we have to confront in terms of being able to, in terms of survive or longevity in the society. So we've got our work cut out for us, and I encourage people, you know, to continue to read, read. I know it's a nerdy thing to do. I know in the context of the 21st century, nobody wants to read. It's all about the computer. It's all about that kind of thing, and that's fine. There's a lot of information you can even glean from the computer. But it's just as importantly, go to the library and get books in which pertain a lot of older information, which is also very, very vital in understanding precisely how the system is organized and how it works. Having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. And you do the same, Brother Haki, and we thank you as well for your contributions to today's program. 
to our supportive friends and listening audience. This is Africa on the Move. It's under the banner of the African Awareness Association. You can hear this program every Sunday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. You also can support the work that we are doing by making a cash app donation to dollar sign, capital A, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, and small b. You can join and become a friend and supporter of Africa on the Move by emailing us at Africa on the Move to Gmail at gmail.com. So you'd like to become a supporting friend, and we'll tell you precisely how. And we want to remind you again, if you have not signed up yet, fill out that application to join us on our fever ride trip to Cuba, please do so by emailing the African Awareness Association at association2 at gmail.com. Request that particular application. Make that move right now. They'll be leaving on the 23rd to 30th of January, 2023. And last night, least, we just remind you again that what Pan-Africanism, once we achieve Pan-Africanism, is the key to all the suffering African people. It will set us free. Let's get organized fight for Pan-Africanism. Until next week, we actually continue to struggle to go forward and backwards never. And we'll leave you with some liberation music. This has been Africa on the Move, your host.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.